So, what was noticed? Um, this is something that I've questioned for a while in my own practice, which is that sometimes when I'm um, naming something and I identify what it is broadly, um, I mean, I'm questioning how much to identify it. I can hear a thick page of a large book being turned, which makes me wonder if somebody's in the family history, which, why are they doing that? And they've never expressed an interest in that before. And, you know, so there goes the chatter. Um, and similarly, just sitting here, you know, there was a sound that was like a blender, but later it occurred and I decided it was a leaf blower. So, I don't know, are you just getting at naming that there is a sound or that there's a specific sound without going into the chatter? Wasn't that interesting? It wasn't interesting. Now, I, 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 me too. I was, I was sitting here minding my own business. And all of a sudden, my mind starts, just like you, my mind starts, my mind had heard the sound, but I hadn't yet, I wasn't aware that I was listening to that sound yet. But when I realized that I didn't know what the source of the sound was, I saw my mind trying to figure it out. Is this, what is this sound? What is this? Is this is this a... And then I started feeling cool. I said, is this an air conditioner? Is this a lawnmower? What's this? What's this? Is it, did, you, did anybody else notice that? The mind... This is, this is perception. This is the mind's perception trying to go, do, 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 do. what is this? What is this? What is this? What is this? This, is not your, this is not intentional. You can't stop the mind from doing that. The mind will just do that. This is automatic. But we can watch it. We can be aware that that's what's going on in the mind. And when you, when you are watching the mind from that level of just like, wow, look at the mind. It's just, it is so fast, isn't it? I mean, to me it is. It's like, wow, the mind is so fascinating. It is just kind of, churn, it's just working overtime, trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Right? Okay. Now, how much are we intending to do and how much is just going to happen anyway? It's just going to happen anyway. That's it. We don't have to try to figure it out. You know, you might, you might find your, you might notice your mind, like you said. Your mind was saying, is this a leaf blower or is this a blender? It appears in the mind as a thought, but it's actually the activity of perception trying to figure it out. And, and to, to be, you know, to help you be, get a grasp of what's going on, you put it into words. You know, is this a leaf blower or a blender? You know. But your thinking about it doesn't make it clearer. It's perception refining its, its, its awareness, refining its reception and, and really distinguishing what is that sound, really listening really carefully. And, and the, more refined it under, the more refined it listens, the more clearly it will recognize, oh, that's what it is. You notice that when the, when the mind, if you just kind of notice a sound but you don't know what it is and then you start thinking about it, that doesn't help you get clearer what the sound is. It just kind of muddies up the mind. But if you just keep noticing it, hearing, hearing, you'll see the mind trying to figure it out. What's this? What's this? No wonder we're tired at the end of the day. 
But you see, it really didn't make any sense there could be a blender because there's no blender in here. And okay. I can't hear a blender across the street. You, know, you see what I mean? Yeah. Well, I can further clarify. At that point, at that point, when the mind starts analyzing what could the source of the sound be? Let's see, there's no blender here. It's too far away from it. You know, then analyzing is happening. Yeah. There still is perception. Perception is still trying to figure it out. But there's also the, the mental activity of analyzing. But even independent of that analyzing, you can watch the mind, the, the perceptive activity of mind, trying to figure out what that is. To me, that's fascinating. I, I, I just think, wow, this is... But, you know, things like that are happening all the time. You know, you come into a room, you, you come to one of these events in the day, and you know some of the people, and you don't know some of the people, and your mind is scanning everybody that it sees. It's scanning everything. It's just like, are they open to me? Are they receptive to me? Do they like me? Do I know them? Do they know me? It's like, are they saying something to me? And is their posture, is their eye contact? And your mind is scoping this out all the time. It's not you doing it. It's just the mind's activity. The natural activity of the mind is to do that. It's natural. Don't try to stop your mind from doing that. It'll do it. However, if you have a reaction to what your mind is noticing, you know, and say, oh, you know, they're, they're giving me the eye. Maybe they're hitting on me. Oh, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll respond or, or maybe get judgmental about it. Some, then that's your, that, that's your, that's where you jump in. That's where it's not just natural. That's not just the natural mental activity. Yeah, it's deeply conditioned in natural in that sense. But that's where I jump into the picture. And start saying, oh, I think I'll go with this one. I think I'll resist this one. You know, and, and that's where the defilements, that's when the defilements enter the activity of the mind. Prior to that, no defilements. When the mind's scanning and just kind of noticing, 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 no defilements. But when you say, hey, <laughs> defilement. But that's where I enter the picture. You see? You see? Yeah. So are you making a statement that... Ah. Right. So when the eye comes in, is that also something that we can know? Yes, of course. Sure. But, with a, but I'm guessing that from what you were saying, it sounded like perhaps that's something where we have some volition about whether we go with it or not, as opposed to just knowing, you know, um, sure. seduction or... Whatever yeah. it is. It's not so much that we know the eye has kind of entered the picture. It's the defilement has entered the picture. And because we didn't, because we, to the extent that we have not recognized the defilement, I'm there. If we recognize the defilement, then awareness is there. Okay. You see? So that it's not like we see, oh, here I come. Mm-hmm. It's not that. It's that when the defilement, let's say, attraction and, and fascination and you kind of get lost in the fascination and you're not aware that you're fascinated but you're aware that you're just I mean there is just an, an attraction or an, an attachment to this, this, this contact and when that's happening it's me that's, that's attached but as soon as there's awareness of that attachment whoop, I drop out of the picture well I sort of remember when Utejaniya was here that he would make specific comments about um, if the defilements are operating, that's wrong view. So that, to me, sounded like, okay, this is 
a time to do something more than just know what's going on. Is that? Uh, you meant just knowing the defilements is not enough? Is that what, is that what you are saying? Yeah, I guess that's what I, yeah. Well, it's true. If, if the defilements are there, then wrong view is, is present. Because, you know, you take, for example, like this sound. The sound is happening. And so the mind is just trying to figure it out. But maybe there's also aversion to it. You're feeling irritated. You're feeling averse. It's like, geez, you know, right? Did anybody feel averse to it? Or how about when the person got up and left and then near the end of the thing? Anybody feel a little bit of irritation? Huh? You didn't? Yeah. Yeah. The mind might have a natural tendency. You might notice it really quick, but nevertheless, you still notice it. Do you have to do something more than recognize that aversion is there? No. Because, say for example, uh, the, the woman that got up at the end of the sitting, you rustled the papers, you know, and then she got up and, and she walked out, I think. Is she still here? You know, it's okay. If she is, it's okay. If she is, it still happened. So, okay. So, we can hear the noise, and then there's some irritation, and then the thought may come, what's she doing that for? She shouldn't be doing that. She should wait till the end of the bell, or she should wait till the end of the sitting. That's rude, or that's, you know, I wonder what, I wonder what she's got on her agenda, she's got to go now, or, or something like that, you know, the mind. Then, if you think that that person shouldn't be doing that, that's wrong view. So wouldn't that be a, a time when you actually see a choice as to where you're going to direct your attention as opposed to just knowing? I guess that's, I guess that's the part that I'm looking for is where, where does um, skillful action come in? I wonder if any action is needed other than just being aware. Because if there's just awareness of the hearing the sound, noticing the irritation, noticing the judgment, noticing, 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 when is it that you have to choose to do something different? There's just noticing happening. Do you have to choose not to be irritated? I wouldn't choose not to be irritated. I would say if there's, a, if there's irritation, then be aware of it. If there's no irritation, then be aware of that. Well, I remember a time when I actually noticed thoughts of anger arising. Yeah. And I, I noticed that there was a feeding of the story. Oh. And, and it was like, and it seemed like there was a point where, oh, yeah. I don't know if it was I, but yeah. somehow there was a choice mm-hmm. to, of some wisdom of, mm. do I want to feed this or not? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So now, that seemed like more than just knowing it, but there was some wisdom arising around the, you know, kind of where to point the mind at that point. Okay. Now let me let me let me track this out for you. There's anger has arisen, and then and it's noticed, and then there's the feeding of the anger by telling yourself the story, and you notice that. What happened right then? Because there's the recognition of the feeding of the story. Well, as I remember it, 
there was some recognition of um, past experience of like, oh, I, I think I know where this goes, yeah. and that's unpleasant. Yeah. So do I really want? Do I really want to feed this or not? Yes. And so you you recognize this 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 recognition of oh this is familiar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then what do you notice? Um, I noticed actually that the body wasn't yet angry. The body wasn't angry. There wasn't really a very strong um, physical mm-hmm. manifestation of anger. That it was mostly thoughts, okay. and there was some discernment that at that point, if the thoughts stopped, this wouldn't grow in intensity. The anger. The anger, for example. Okay, so you noticed that. Mm-hmm. Then what? Then what was noticed? Well, I th- okay, I'm ta- feeling a little uncertain about this, but I, I really thought that I made a decision not to go there. It was really to feed it or not to feed it. Which, which would, which would make me happier? And I realized sometimes. I hate to admit it. I enjoy anger. I mean, I, I must. I mean, why else would I feed it? So it's like, well, what, which would I rather do right now? Would I like to have like a really juicy anger experience? Or do I want a, in kind of a more moderate, pleasant, kind of equanimous experience? I mean, it was kind of, I mean, it really felt like I had a television with two channels. Well, I do want channel A or channel B. And at that point, I think it was I, I, whatever that means, that chose Channel B. I want to encourage you to look a little closer. Now, you did really good. You did really good at just watching how that unfolded. But I was speaking about perception earlier. That when perception operates, it can operate on many levels. And there was a perception of, you know, the past experience. That, you know, you go, you go down this path and you know where it's going, more suffering. And there was the recognition, there was also the perception of wisdom that said, you know what, if I don't go down that path, it's, it's not going to happen. Okay. Was there really a, a, a gym, right? Was there a gym that jumped in there or was it just a perception of wisdom? Because if wisdom, if wisdom arises, that knowledge, oh, this is going this is going into suffering and this is going not to suffering. You may not have to Jim may not have to make a choice. Wisdom has made the choice. But Jim took the credit. <laughs> you know, you really hit the nail on the head. Now there's three ways that we that we that we take the credit. Yeah, uh, I could go into a whole new uh, another whole direction, but it's true. Jim took the credit. Let me just let me just say for for a future day's topic, there's three ways we take the credit. We either take the credit by craving, wrong view, or pride. And the way that manifests is, you know, so then 
you know. So then Jim recognizes, ah, I'm not going down the track of getting angry. Aren't I good? What's that? Pride. Okay. So the second, the second way that it could happen is like, God, I'm glad I, I'm, I'm glad I made that choice. Craving. Okay. The other way, the, the third kind of story we can tell ourselves is, I did that. I made that choice. Wrong view. There's no I there. There's no I there. But if you think there's an I there, that's wrong view. If you take, if you feel good about the decision you made, that's pride. And if you are kind of like satisfied with the decision you made, that's craving. These are the three papanchas. Eh? The three papanchas? You know the three papanchas? Okay. The three proliferations of mind. This is the way we get caught. This is the way the I manifesting gets caught. Now, just I'm going to throw out another weekend's topic. It is the insight into a Nietzsche that overcome, uh, impermanence that overcomes the proliferation of pride. It's the insight into dukkha which overcomes the proliferation into craving. And it's the insight into anatta that overcomes the proliferation of wrong view. That's why we're developing insight. <laughs> I tell you, the Dharma is endless. It's just kind of... Okay. It is the growing understanding of... Or, or insightful understanding of impermanence that overcomes and eventually uproots the tendency towards pride, mana. It is the growing recognition and, and understanding of dukkha, that, that insight, which overcomes and eventually uproots tendency towards craving, and it's the growing insight into anatta characteristic that overcomes and eventually uproots the tendency towards indulging in wrong view. Huh? No. No, dukkha, craving, anatta, wrong view. Mana, or, or anicca, and pride. Anicca, A-N-I-C-C-A. Okay. Uh, yeah, this this fellow had his hand up here. Could someone get the microphone to him? Yeah. But that's another whole weekend. <laughs> that topic. Is it on? Yeah, it's on, right? Hello. Uh, you asked what happened um, when you said sort of remove yourself from where you sometimes focus your attention. Yeah. So I sort of I pulled myself away from like my hot area here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I got this growing awareness of like, you know, a, a nice real, uh, I should say nice, oh, judgmental, a surge of energy uh. and it's like a chi flow going through my body. Yeah. Like an awareness in my head. And I get this every now and then. I consider this to be a good meditation. And I'm just trying to understand it because, you know, going back to my younger days, I'm sort of hoping for some kind of samadhi experience. I'm suddenly thinking, yes, here I go, here I go, here I go. So I just... And I'm trying to back off from it, you know, awareness, and just, you know, just let it go where it goes. It never takes me exactly where I want to go, but it's sort of a start. Is that okay? Uh, well, yeah, of course. Yes, more and more I'm just sort of saying, you know, just back off. Okay. Let it go where it goes. Yes. And, I mean, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to develop the awareness of just 
let it go where it goes without wanting more. Yes. Okay. Can you help me understand what maybe is going on here? Well, it sounds like, you know, like you said, you were kind of focused with some continuity in the abdomen area. And then when you let go of that, I instruct you to let go, you let go of that. And then you felt some surge of energy, something different. But you, you, seems like you recognize that you have a tendency, you would have a tendency to kind of get into that and kind of amp it up to some kind of samadhi type experience, or some kind of distinctive, unique, or some kind of uh, special meditative experience. But instead, you just kind of backed off and, and just recognized that that was what was going on. Right? Is that, that what it is? Okay, that's what's going on. What's most important in all of that is how are you relating to that? How are you relating to it? How were you relating to it at that time? Oh, this is a disappointment. Or, I wonder what's coming next. Or, is this the right thing to do? Or, huh, look at that. What was, what was your attitude? Well, I'm, I'm trying to just, you know, be there, and it is what it is. Okay. In the old days, I sort of was hoping, yeah, go farther, go farther, go farther. You know, <laughs> So you, you saw that mind just trying to jump in there and say, go for it, go for it, right, go for it. Right. But yeah, you but didn't let it kind of... You know, this time hold. I just sort of, you know, again, through the teachings here, just sort of be aware of it, you know, to pull back this... Yes, yes. And it is what it is. Yeah. Okay. That's, I, I think that's the right thing to do. Um, I'm not quite sure what your understanding was at the time. It sounds a little bit like, well, I'll do this because it's the instruction. I don't really want to do this. I'd rather get into it and have some special experience. Right. So what's that? Craving, attachment, you know, kind of regret that you can't kind of follow it through. It's some form of renunciation, letting go of your familiar, you know. So there's some kind of letting go of your familiar habit of kind of trying to amp up an experience to some kind of good meditation. Okay, Just, just know that. Just watch that. Um, what actually happens, you know, the, the energy surge and the da, 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 in the head and all that. No, there's nothing special about that. That's just stuff happens. It can be pleasant, unpleasant, physical, mental. It can be intense or subtle, whatever. But how you're relating to it, that's what's really important. That's where you'll have either a skillful relationship to it or an unwholesome relationship to it. And things will change. Things change all the time. Physical, mental, energetic stuff. That, that's, that, you know, whether it's the breath or the, the sensations in the belly or the stuff in the head, doesn't matter how you're relating to it. I have a question about... Hmm, I was seeing things you know, watching what was going on in terms of hearing sounds and mm. trying to notice the recognition of things happening. Mm-hmm. And there were times when I was trying to identify something, you know, the idea of trying to identify um, like what I was feeling mm-hmm. at a given time. And then I noticed that my head was kind of tense from T- that. Tense. Tense from that. You know, kind of like wait, wait a minute. striving to identify something or, you know, okay. trying to figure out what that was. Yeah. 
And so I, I just kind of thought, I need to drop that because I'm feeling tension around that rather than feeling ease. Is that letting go of that too soon and not investigating the fact that I was questioning? I mean, I, could, I knew that I was questioning, what is this? Okay, and then you recognized that there was tension, tension in, around the, that. In, in the head. Yeah, as if I was striving to, to find an answer for that. I was interested when you said that the tension in the head was caused by this trying to figure out what you were hearing or something like that. Yeah, yeah. How do you know that? I don't. I think that's an assumption. Yeah, okay. But that assumption will, if, if you don't recognize that there's an assumption there, then this tension in the head, you'll assume, oh, that's caused by doing this, this trying to figure something out. And then, you know, you'll try to, because this is unpleasant. Now, this is unpleasant. You, you forgot to tell me that. This is unpleasant. <laughs> right? This is unpleasant, and you really kind of like got some aversion to it. So then we say, what can I do to get rid of this? You see, oh, we're caught. I, you know, I'm going to pick on you. You know, we're caught in defilements. You know, we're not just na- we're not just noticing what is happening. We're in there trying to manipulate what's happening, and we do it by wrong understanding. We assume something, and then we get in there and we try to get rid of this by you know, stop. Well, I got to stop trying to figure out what's going on. It would be better to just notice. Oh. You know, you're, you're trying to figure things out and then notice, oh, tension, tension in the head. Huh. OK, what's that like? You know, and and what's my relationship to it? Because then in that noticing of the relationship to it, that there's some like oh, there's some concern about this, you know, or it's kind of worried about this or or wondering what what's this come from? Then later there would be the recognition of like, oh, or the assumption or the, the guess that, oh, this must be tension because I was trying to do something and, you know. And then we get, then we're into analytic, analyzing and thinking and, and we're off. We're not being, uh, just kind of cleanly mindful. We're kind of manipulating mindfulness there. So, be, be, mm, the word is, be a little more continuous in just the bare attentive recognition. Huh? Because then you'll catch the aversion to the tension and the assumption that it's caused by something. Okay, that, 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 that's important. Okay. Yeah. Those two little steps didn't get noticed. Yeah, because I was just thinking about, you know, your question about, are you okay with that? Yeah. And, and so I think that's what threw me off into thinking, oh, I'm not okay with that, and not recognizing that I was not okay with that. Yeah. It's a good question to ask yourself whenever, when anything's happening is, is this okay? You know, am, am I okay with this? Meaning, you know, is there some kind of striving to kind of amp it up? like you, or some kind of pushing away, like, you know, got to get rid of this. Or, you know, we, we engage in even subtler, uh, you know, we try to figure things out, we try to uh, explain things, we, and, and these, are, these are all ways of kind of distancing ourselves from the experience. So to stay in touch with the experience and to just know it for just what it is, no explaining, no figuring out. No justifying, no, no, just, this is it, thunk. You know, you watch. Then you'll see, you'll see your mind trying to, and this is again, the mind will try to, try to figure things out, it'll try to explain things. This is, this is deep conditioning. Deep, deep, deep conditioning. 
But you can watch this happening. So that's all we're doing. We're just we're not trying to stop it from happening, but but if we just indulge in it happening, we won't recognize it. We won't learn about the activity of the mind. We won't learn how the mind is doing this. So that's why we're not we just want to watch what's going on. The mind is a fascinating playground. It's just endless. It's just <laughs> Yeah. I noticed, you know, I, I just noticed that almost every one of us gets this thing, gets this microphone, and we turn it around, and then we go. <laughs> we, we hold it about arm's length and a little more from us so that we can see it. Just notice. <laughs> Not only you, all of us. Yeah. Sleeping. Sleepy. Sleeping in meditation. What about that? I noticed I'm sleeping. I sometimes enjoy sleeping in meditation yes. because I can. I I love the dream state. You love the dream state. Yeah, in mm-hmm. normal, you know, in normal sleeping, I I really enjoy the dream state, mm-hmm. and I will go to sleep in order to dream. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm here, when I'm sitting, and mm-hmm. I start falling asleep, which always seems to happen. Sometime during the course of the day, mm. sometimes I fight it, and sometimes I just say, well, you know, why not? Um, let's see what happens, because if I fall asleep, then I can see what, my, what I'm dreaming. Yeah. There's a third option. Sure. Okay. She said, sometimes I fight it, and sometimes I go to sleep and dream. What about just being aware of being sleepy? But Don't fight it. And don't indulge in it. Just be aware of it. Well, it's, that's really hard. I mean, when well, you, yeah, when I you are sleepy. <laughs> but when I am sleepy, you know, it's hard to stop from falling asleep. You know what? I'm going to suggest that that's an assumption and not a, a direct experience. And I'll tell you why. Most of us feel that when I'm sleepy, I can't be mindful. No. No. You think you can. Okay, then, good. Be mindful of sleepiness. But don't fall asleep. But that's what lucid dreaming is about. Um, I don't know what lucid dreaming is. I know what sleepiness is, and I know you can be mindful of sleepiness. Yeah. So, I encourage you, See, sometimes, sometimes we get this assumption, this hidden assumption. We don't even know we've had this assumption that if I'm sleepy, I can't meditate. Or I can't, be, I can't be meditating well if I'm sleepy. And so we struggle against sleepiness. Don't struggle. Don't struggle. But see what you can learn about the nature of sleepiness. Sleepiness is natural. I mean, the mind gets tired, so it's natural. This is a natural activity of the mind. Okay. Be aware of it. And you can. I'm telling you. You can be aware of sleepiness. You can take awareness into the experience of sleepiness and not fall asleep. And you can learn about sleepiness. Mindfulness is, is, is that powerful. Can. can do. I want to go back to what you said. 
Do you recognize your attachment to the dream state? I think I learn from the dream state. I'm sure you do. And yes, it can be quite pleasurable, yes. So I am, yes, attached to. I like dream states too. I like like sleep and like dream states too. But there's attachment there. I mean, I'm I'm not accusing you of it. I'm just saying that it sounds from what you were saying that there's quite a lot of uh, attachment and indulgence in the pleasantness of the dream state. Yes, we can learn a lot. It's true. Well, it's not always pleasant, depending on what I'm dreaming about. But I always think I can find something. I can find learn something, something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yep. I, won't, I won't deny it. It's possible. But in this practice, we would say, be aware of the dream. Be aware of the sleepiness. Be aware of the dreaming. The content of the dream, honestly, in this tradition, we would say, not important. But I know in other traditions, they, the content of the dream is really valuable, you know, and it can be a key to understanding. I, I just don't know that way, so I can't offer any guidance or instruction. In that. But I wouldn't deny that it was possible. just going to tack something onto what Kate said, which is that I use meditation to fall asleep every night, but I give myself permission if I'm lying in bed, and that's okay, but if I'm sitting up, then I don't give myself permission, but I mean, I just wondered what your take is on that. I find it just such a pleasant way to sleep. I know what you're talking about. Great. Meditate until you fall asleep. That's good. Yeah. I think that's I think that's fine. That's a good way to watch your mind, watch your mind, watch your body, just to be aware uh, until you fall asleep. Some people, you know, lay down and start meditating, and they wake up. Can't fall asleep so well. So, you know, if if you can fall asleep that way, that's good. It's okay. Yeah, I see. I'm looking to see if it's on. That's why. But um, I just want to make a comment about what you were saying about being aware of sleepiness. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think it would be difficult. I think it is very, well, I think mindfulness in general is not easy. That's why it's a practice and you just have to cultivate it. But particularly that state is, is probably very difficult to do it. And I just was thinking that it could be life-saving. Could be what? Life-saving. Life-saving. Particularly like if you're driving. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Or if, um, like some people who are physicians that have to work 80 hours and they're interning or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's, there's a whole been an article about them. They're trying to practice and they, they haven't, they're sleep-deprived. So, you know, if they're not mindful, I don't have to tell you what happens. So I have a question for you. You know when you're meditating and you drift off in a train of thought and you're not aware of it? What's the difference between that and dreaming? Huh? Daydreaming and night dreaming. You know, like we call it wandering mind sometimes. 
you know, sometimes we call it one in mind, and you're not aware of it when it's happening. You can recall it afterwards, maybe, you know, but you're not aware of it at the time. What's the difference between that and dreaming? Sometimes, I mean, lucid dreaming, you know, where, you, where you're dreaming and you know you're dreaming, well, that's different. But I mean, ordinary dreaming is like, mostly we don't know we're dreaming until we wake up. What's the difference between that and... Isn't there different brainwave states? There's different levels of sleep. And so when you're in a deeper level, you're dreaming, you're not aware. And then there's this thing that you just mentioned that's kind of like daydreaming. And I think that's what you're referring to. What's the difference? Even though you're awake, you're not really awake because you're not mindful. I think, is that what you're trying to say? Mm. Mm. And then I want to I ask one, one further question. You know, when you're, um, when you're daydreaming, your, your mind wanders off and you're, you're in a train of thought. You're lost in a train of thought. And at the time that it's happening, you're not aware of it. Right. But then at the end of it, you know, you, at some point you come out of it. But sometimes you can remember everything you just thought. What's going on? What is it that is knowing but not able to be aware? Do you ever think about that? The mind is knowing what's going on, but there's no awareness of it. What we're trying to do in this practice is wake up awareness. We're not trying to wake up knowing. Knowing is happening all the time. What we're trying to do is wake up the awareness of what is being known. Okay? You see? You, see, you get it? Yeah. Knowing is happening all the time. Whether it's in dream state, lucid dream state, normal waking state, or normal daydreaming state. Knowing is happening all the time. But there's no awareness of it in some of those states. What mindfulness is doing, or what we're trying to do in this practice, is to, to recognize what is being known, or that the knowing is happening, to become aware. That, this, this is what it means, to become aware. To become aware that knowing is happening all the time. And to know what that is, and your relationship to it. So that makes dreams, lucid dreaming, daydreaming, night dreaming, white state, everything is like just fascinating playground for like can can it be recognized? What do we have to do to recognize this state of mind? Okay, yeah. Following up on the sleepiness thing. Okay. Um, I've noticed, you know, I started to pay attention to the falling asleepiness thing. And I noticed that there was a wonderful, uh, you know, that delicious feeling of, you know, falling asleep. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, And so I was just thinking about how you were saying about indulging, the idea that we indulge. And and so I've started to notice that. When I do fall asleep, it's that indulgence. It's that you know, fall, falling into mm-hmm. that state. So I'm assuming that if I'm being mindful, that I would see the that allure, that attractiveness of falling asleep, Pleasant. Pleasantness. Yeah. and then also stepping back from that and noticing the tendency to want. 
to follow that craving. To indulge in it. To indulge in it, right? And so that that would create the mindfulness to continue through the sleepiness? Is that what you're kind of getting at? Uh, I think the point about, you know, when the mind gets tired or when there's a certain, you know, there's kind of a swooning into it, you know, where we kind of, we, we kind of, we let go of something and we kind of fall into it. And uh, sometimes you can train yourself to take your attention with you in that, in that. But often we lose our attention right there or we lose the continuity of awareness and we're just in it, lost in it. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> yeah. So I was just asking for some ways of actually bringing that mindfulness to bear so that the so that you don't fall into that sleepiness. I, I've added effort at times to yeah to perk that up, but I was just don't. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing: there's sleepiness, and you're right on the cusp of swooning, swooning into it. Take your awareness into the swoon. Just see. I mean, you're going to have to experiment with this. But see if you can take awareness into the swoon and, well, be aware while sleeping. Now, I don't know if this is what lucid dreaming is. I'm not going to, I don't know what that is. But let, let me just, let me, let me. We know what being awake is. We know what being so deeply asleep that we're not dreaming and we have no recognition of it is. In between the two is this vast terrain of the mind, which is just fascinating to discover. With awareness, we can gradually train our awareness to recognize more of what is closer to that deep, uh, dreamless state. Without awareness, we may just be have a little bit of awareness over here in this lot of this, just kind of dreamlike, drifty, deluded, kind of swoony, not there. No awareness. But as you practice awareness, you can, you can increase the, the amount of mental terrain that is brought into awareness. In, in practice, uh, there's lots of benefits that, that happen, wonderful opportunities. Like I've found that the mind gets very creative, so I could use this state for creativity, could use the state for lucid dreaming, you could use the state to get psychological insight, can use this uh, to sleep, you know, for, for there's all these other things that become possible. I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to, in the practice, like what reflection or what approach could really uh, rouse the mind to see uh, the benefits of letting go of all of that. And I mean, it probably has something to do with where this practice, as it's intended, actually goes you know, and what the costs are, you know, like what, what the mind misses. You know, what we're missing, you know, if we use the practice for all these other delightful things that it's possible to use it for. Well, I think what 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 Ron is 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 acknowledging and pointing to is that um, 
the practice of awareness requires letting go. If you're going to develop awareness, you're going to have to let go. You're going to have to learn how to let go of things as they arise and pass away. You need to let go of them. And when we get into practice, what comes up for review is, of course, the, the deeply conditioned habits of the mind. The mind's habit to hold on to likes and to push away dislikes, to hold on to fears, and, you know, to, to just hold on to our sense of ourself and to push away anything that, that threatens that sense of self. But what we do in practice is we learn how to let all of this stuff come and go and not hold on to anything. And as we let go of what we've been holding on to for years, if not lifetimes, what happens is the mind gets, a, gets all the energy of letting go is now available in the mind. The, the energy that was holding it all together is now no longer holding it all together and the mind is just infused with this tremendous amount of energy. And as you right, rightfully acknowledge, that is the playground for our unfulfilled desires. And so our unfulfilled desires come up in that just as much as, you know, and you can start writing the novel that you've always wanted to write and, and design the, the business plan that you know is going to succeed and write a computer program that is going to make you the next whiz-biz in this area. And you can do all kinds of things because now you actually do have more mental capacity. And, and it doesn't take much more mental capacity before we really get an inflated sense of ourselves, mana, and or pride, <laughs> and want to do all those things craving that we haven't yet done. Thinking, this will be really good for me. Wrong view. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, and we get hooked over and over and over and over again. We do. We just get hooked over and over and over again constantly with one desire, unfulfilled desire after another. So at some point, you either have to have a teacher that will absolutely insist that you not hang on to anything and push you right to the edge, or you've got to, read, you've got to do some study and find out what is the benefit of this practice so that you can you know, encourage yourself to not get seduced by all of these things that are just seductions that are taking all this loose energy that's finally been loosened up through all your hard effort at practice and glomming it all onto some other thing, some other activity, some other person, some other project, some other sense of yourself, and it gets all tied up. It's hard, believe me, it is really hard to loosen up the energy of the mind and to leave it loose. You know, because it's like, you have to kind of build up your tolerance for high amps, you know, high amperage, electricity in the mind. You know, you have to build up your tolerance to it. If, if frankly, if any of us were just shown the, un, uh, the unattached mind, kind of like raw for five minutes, it would burn our circuits out. Really, we couldn't handle it. But gradually we learn how to do that. You know, and then we can, you know, but... Most of us are uncomfortable. We get uncomfortable with mental energy, too much mental energy. I say too much because it's beyond our normal, familiar range. You know, we're comfortable being asleep most of the time. And when we have to be awake, well, we hope it's comfortable. And if it's not comfortable, you know, we want to be asleep. 
So waking up is about, hey, turning, or turning up the, or waking up is about loosening up the energy and leaving it loose. You know, and, and, and not getting it, uh, or, or, or using it for just more awareness. Rather than more projects, more identity, more attachments, whatnot. And so it's this gradual learning how to tolerate the amperage of the mind's energy as, as we go on. I've mentioned before, not to this group, but to other groups, that when I was practicing in, in Burma, I went to the monastery at, at the Mahasi Meditation Center, and in this monastery, they allow you four hours of sleep a night only. You know, from day one, no more than four hours of sleep a night. That means 20 hours of practice a day. You know, you get your meals and you get your shower, but that's it. That's, there's nothing else to do there. You just sit and walk, you know, for at least a formal 14 to 16 hours, and the rest is uh, uh, informal practice, and you can sleep four. So I, you know, I would set my alarm for four hours and, you know, dutifully get up. In the first couple of weeks, it was like a slog because I like a little more than four usually. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, so we were, I was going to report to Saito Upandita every day, um, how, many hour, um, how many hours you sit, how many hours you walk, so that he'd know that you were practicing. And then one day, I don't know what happened. I either didn't hear the alarm or I set it for five hours instead of four. I don't know what, but I ended up sleeping for five hours. You know, well, that day I go to my interview at two o'clock. I was reporting at two, and usually I would walk in the room. I'd, you'd walk in the door, and you'd walk across the room, and so I'd be sitting over there. You'd go do your bows, telling me about your practice. It'd be translated to him. He'd say something back. He'd be translated back, and you'd walk out, and that would take ten minutes. Well, this day I walked in the door. I turned to walk towards him, and who sa- he says from from over there in his chair, and he never says anything from his chair until you're right in front of him. He says, "How many hours did you sleep last night?" And I wanted to say, I only sleep four every night. But I said, well, uh, you know, I made a, um, I, I slept five last night. He says, please try harder. End of interview. Because he knows. It's not, it's not like being mean and nasty or being, you know, there's no, you don't have a personal relationship with him. You have a relationship with the mind. You know, here's someone who knows the mind. And he knows that if you indulge in sleep, you're not going to wake up. And for him, four hours is enough. And that's what they expect. So when that happened to me, I got fired up. I said, I'm not going to be pushed around by him. <laughs> there. By. <laughs> and I, I have just that kind of mentality to say, eh, four hours, well, to hell. <laughs> you know, so I made this vow. Wake up, get up. I stopped looking at the watch. I said, as soon as I wake up, I'm going to get up. I don't care how, how little, I won't go to sleep more than four. But if I wake up at three or three and a half, I'm going to get up and keep and start practicing. And after a few months, I noticed that I didn't need four hours of sleep. I was so fired up. And of course, practice was getting better all along. But, you know, didn't need to sleep. And there are many people, many times people will come there. They wouldn't sleep for days at all. And, and no, no harm to them. Not that they're tired and slogging. It's just don't need sleep. 
one of my teachers, uh, Uzzatila, 14 days. He just said 14 days. He just stayed awake practicing. Boop. You know, and not because he was entering some exalted, absorbed, concentrated state. There are some other monks that do that and don't sleep for a long time, years. But they enter uh, absorption, tranquility states. But even practicing insight. And I found that for during that time when I was sleeping very little, that no dreams ever. Nothing. Lay down, you know, and I would lay a certain way. I put one, one hand here and one hand here. I'd lay down, take a breath in, fall asleep, take a breath out, wake up. Nothing. Didn't move, no thought in the mind, no tossing, turning, nothing. It's just like completely absent for an hour. And then get up, practice another 23. As much as I can. <laughs> I'm catching up. No. <laughs> um, five, sometimes six hours. If, six hours would be rare. I can't. I don't sleep much. You know what makes us tired? You know what makes us tired? Thinking. Thinking tires the mind. You think, you'll have to sleep. When you don't think, you don't have to sleep much. So, of course, most of us live the lives, busy lives, that you've got to do a lot of thinking. I mean, there are are people that just have have whatever kind of sleep rhythms where, you know, they just don't need two hours of sleep a night and that's it, then go forever. And they're still doing a lot of thinking. But generally in the meditative... The more thinking you do, the more tired you get. Uh, the less thinking you do, and, and I mean, if you're just aware, just aware, 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 then you don't need to sleep so much to recover. Yeah. Well, uh, since we are talking about the... Uh, you want to hold that up so that we can hear it? Sleeping? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, our group, there's a Wednesday group, uh, have... Uh, you know, the uh, pain group, whatever, uh, uh, that uh, we call this one is insomnia. 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 I, um, okay, I have not slept five days, and then I feel when I lie down, my body is tired, very tired, that I want to go to sleep. Mm. But this conscious doesn't close up. Just just the moment, you know, yeah. you have to go, right? And that doesn't happen. Yeah. And uh, what, 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 what would be your recommendation for uh. those kind of, oh, this is not sleep disorder <laughs> class. Yeah. But, I, the, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is not insomnia. It's not the, what, what I'm, my kind of experience right. and yes, what I'm yes. talking about. It's not insomnia. I think insomnia, I mean, I'm, I don't know really what insomnia is, but... From what I hear, it sounds like it's, you know, there's quite a lot of emotional, uh, either there's anxiety or fear. or No? No? Not relaxed? But just can't sleep. I'm so peaceful. But you just can't sleep? No. No, I do aware of it. What's the problem? No anxious? No fearful? Don't need to sleep? Huh? It can be. I, I appreciate that you say it can be. It doesn't have to be. You know, some, some, some scientists will try to tell me that, 
my hour of night of sleep was dangerous and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that's not true. Yeah. Yeah, no, it could be. There are many ways to understand. Then. So your recommendation is uh, just continue yeah. aware. Continue, be, continue aware. with your mindfulness or awareness practice. Awareness. And if you fall asleep, fine. If you don't, that should be fine too. The thing is, we, we sometimes, sometimes we will think, if I don't fall asleep, I'm going to be, either get sick, I'm going to be really tired tomorrow, I'm going to be, it's unhealthy for me, you know, and we worry about things. I wouldn't, you know, if you don't have that kind of attitude, then, you know, if you don't need to sleep, don't sleep. <laughs> yeah, no. Why, 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 why try to force yourself to sleep if you don't need to sleep? So, stay, lay on the bed. And if you want. Awareness you can lay in the bed, sit in a chair, or sit, or whatever sit, you want. Come out and sit. Yeah. Just meditation. Yeah. Meditate. If you can. I would. That's what I would recommend. But I'm not normal mm. in that sense, you know. <laughs> you know, um, it's 3.57. Yeah. I heard that we're supposed to end at 4 today. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> but let me <laughs> let me say, is there any final uh, anyone a final comment or question that um, yeah, there's someone up there needs to be heard. Um, I had a couple of just quick questions. Um, one was, uh, you were mentioning three ways of taking credit with Ah, yeah, Jim. three, three papanches, yeah. Right, and one of them sounded like appreciation, and I just wondered, is there, is appreciate, like, it could have sounded like gratitude, I'm grateful that I didn't do such and such, or, um, and is that, was that considered... Maybe. No, certainly not gratitude. Okay. No, no. Because it sounded little... like it could have been gratitude. It just depends on the... No, gratitude would not be an unwholesome state of mind. That would be a wholesome state of mind. Okay. And the other question is, is when, when the labeling is happening, are we to also notice the labeling as, a good... a, as another cognitive process yeah. going on? Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes we offer labeling as a technique for name, you know, name your experience as a way of kind of um, supporting the continuity of awareness. But the, and I'll tell you why, perception, clear perception is the proximate cause of continuity of awareness. Clear perception is the proximate cause for the continuity of awareness. If you clearly perceive this moment, you are more likely to be aware of the next moment. If you don't clearly perceive and recognize this moment, you're less likely to be aware of the next moment. So, clear perception is proximate cause for the continuity of awareness. Now, how are we going to, if that's true, how are we going, how can we strengthen perception? Perception is the ability to recognize the distinctive characteristic of a phenomena. 
If you can label a, if you can label your experience, you have clearly recognized the uniqueness of that phenomena. That, huh? So labeling is a tool for strengthening perception. Therefore, labeling is a tool that supports continuity of awareness. But when the awareness has, when there's some continuity to the awareness or some some strength to the awareness, to continue to label your experience is just a cognitive overlay, which is kind of burdensome and kind of uh, mucks up the mass, uh, mucks up the mind, and just kind of adds a lot of top-heavy acti- mental activity that you don't need because the awareness is there. The awareness is is already very continuous. And to keep labeling then is redundant and it actually impedes the progress of the practice. So you have to, it's a tool to be used at times to develop and generate perception and continuity of awareness. But once continuity of awareness is there or clear perception is aroused, you don't need to keep labeling. That's just, it's just like kind of beating a dead horse. Yeah. So let me just say a couple of things. Thank you very much for coming. I always enjoy having uh, Dharma dialogues with, with interested folks. Uh, if I have said anything today to, um, that uh, hurt you or offended you or confused you or shamed you or that you feel was dismissive of you in some way, uh, I'm sorry. Please, please accept my apologies. I did not intend to, uh, but sometimes in the hurry and flurry and the dynamics of give and take, I kind of step on people's sensitivities. So please accept my apologies for my own insensitivities. I have room to grow. And finally, if you're interested in more of this or something similar, Kamala, my wife and I, will be leading a retreat here. No, um, through IMC at, what's the name of the place? Hidden Villa. Hidden Villa, starting the Sunday after Thanksgiving. The Sunday after Thanksgiving for a week. And uh, we'll be offering uh, more of uh, this kind of practice. And uh, accompanied by the equanimity practice uh, in the afternoons that supports it. Okay? So, other than that, Arrivederci. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.